This is the SB Live Washington podcast, your twice weekly conversation about high school sports across the Evergreen State and the people who play them. I'm Andy Bueller, reporter with SB Live. With me here, we'll just introduce him right up top. Sometimes we wait. We're not going to wait today uh, with, without any ado. Uh, he is a senior reporter with SB Live. He's the pride and the prodigal son of Tacoma, sometimes Ocean Shores, but mainly Tacoma. Uh, and he's your pal and mine. Todd Millis is with me. Todd, how we doing this week? Uh, week eight in the books. I only go to Ocean Shores five or six times a year, man. Stop calling me the mayor of Ocean Shores or whatever it is. If you want to call me the Pride of Tacoma, the 253, right now the hotbed of really good football, really good quarterbacks, that's fine. But, man, this Ocean Shores thing, man, it's there's a lot of – there are a lot more people that spend a lot more time on on the Washington beaches than I do, man. You – listen – you didn't spend most of like two weeks ago in Ocean Shores uh, for me not to bring this back up. So you're you're putting in your time over there. You're you're going there. You're kissing babies. You're playing golf. You know you're doing your mayoral duties, whether you know it or not. So um, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe if you picked another place to go to, you know, it's it, maybe it's kind of wherever the wind blows. Uh, where where are you going this week, Todd? Westport, right across the bay. I'm going to Westport, man. No, All I'm right. staying. There's some big games this week. There's the West Coast Showdown. We get the 4A Kinko Championship. Uh, pretty important game in PCL with the uh, Lakes and Lincoln or Lakes and uh, Spanaway Lake. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's, I can't believe we're week nine, last week of the regular season, and then it's going to do or die time. Yeah, man. GSL as well and the GSHL. We got, you know, we. We've got every corner of the state painted with a with a really good game this week, and um, you know there there might not have been those types of matchups in week eight, but we certainly learned a lot. Uh, so let's today kind of we're going to talk about what we learned in week eight of the high school football season in Washington, where we were, uh, what we saw, and storylines out of the weekend. Before we jump into that, just to recap, we are reporters for SB Live Sports, a national high school media company. Uh, That's a part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. We cover high school sports across the state of Washington, uh, sometimes stretching even beyond that. I've been uh, uh, knee-deep in high school basketball rankings at the national level, getting those things off the ground here, getting very excited for the basketball season. But you can find our work uh, at scorebooklive.com slash Washington and the SB Live Sports app. Uh, The app is the best way, I think, to get... Uh, to, to read our work, uh, to see our work, to see the highlights, podcasts, rankings, stories, all of the above. But we're, we're your central point here in this podcast, Todd. Uh, this is where we convene. This is where we hang out on a week-to-week basis. And we treat this kind of as an extension of your and my uh, conversations uh, privately throughout the week. So sometimes, you know, we, we just have to turn the mics on and, and record. So you and I both caught a couple of really good games in week eight. I was at, uh, just to kick things off, uh, made my first trip to Doc Harris Stadium in Camas this year. Uh, Camas has been at the in the statewide conversation for uh, the last you know four-plus years. They've won two of the last four 4A state championships. And this year was going to be a bit of a down year in terms of, uh, you know, a talent dropping from, from last year a little bit. They were graduated a lot of really good pieces, and they're kind of reloading. Um, and... 
John Eagle, head football coach, will be in the State Hall of Fame someday. Decided to take a job uh, on Bruce Barnum's staff at Portland State. So uh, Camus lost its legendary coach and uh, is kind of reloading from a talent standpoint, um, or so it appeared. And they had to start the season playing uh, the toughest schedule in the state, and I haven't seen a tougher schedule across the country, to be honest. Uh, they went and played four Oregon State powers and you know four Oregon teams that are going to finish deep, post, have deep postseason runs this year. Um, they started 0-4. They had a chance to win just about every one of those games. Uh, but the attention kind of went away from Camus because the papermakers don't don't typically see an 0-4 next to any of their sports uh, at, at that school. And so Camus, the past four weeks, has done something pretty special, Todd, as you and I know. They've come back up and, and they've gotten on a roll. They've rolled Mountain View, who was in at that time when they played them. It was in our 3A top 10. They went up and beat uh, the number one 2A team in the state in Tumwater in week six. Um, in week seven, I should say. And then in week eight, had its biggest game of the year playing a team in Skyview that was sitting atop of the 4A Greater St. Helens League standings. And Skyview had a chance uh, to clinch its first outright state championship. I'm sorry, out first outright league championship in 10 years. It had been since 2011. But it's also been since 2011 that, that they had beat Camus as well. Camus has been the boogeyman of that Storm program that had been playing so well, coming off a huge 37-7 win over Union. And, you know, we found out, Todd, on, on Friday night that Camus is a really darn good defensive football team. I think it can make some noise in the playoffs. Camus beats Skyview 17-7. to Take that, Storm, says the papermakers. The 4A GSHL postseason picture is a, a GD mess now. Three very good teams in Union, Camus, and Skyview all fighting for two playoff berths. That's going to come to head in week um, here in week nine. But Todd, you and I just, I mean, one, you can't catch a break picking uh, Southwest Washington games. But I also picked Skyview to win this game based off how well they've been playing. And, and you know what? <laughs> Until Skyview beats Camus, I'm never going to pick the Storm to beat this team again. Because Camus just finds a way, man. <laughs> and, and they were so, so impressive. It, it, was, it was like it, Skyview was just playing from behind immediately. Um, and, man, I don't know. What, what was it like kind of following along uh, from the sidelines? You know, you were playing night editor duty on Friday, uh, surveying... Uh, the state and the region and different states around the country. Um, what was it like seeing Camus take it to Skyview once more for the 10th straight year? I, I've asked myself this question a lot this weekend, Andy. Just wh why was I so down on Camus? I mean, yes, they lost their coach. They lost their quarterback. They lost a lot of offensive pieces. And I'm usually pretty, pretty big on the organic nature of football, high school football, and program success. And what I mean by that is a program just knows how to figure it out. And for whatever reason, I, I was down on Camus and, and, and maybe some of it had to do with the new coach and just maybe a transition year and hearing a new voice and, and the 0-4 start didn't help. I just, I, I've got to be, I've got to get back to just giving the organic nature of some of these championship programs, way more credit than, than that. And 
that's kind of how it played out. You said the boogeyman and and you said it two weeks ago, Skyview's kind of had union's number. You said it last week that Camus has kind of had Skyview's number and, and it just seems like that kind of played out here the past couple of weeks. I'm not picking against Camus the rest of the year. I, I they'll play they'll play at Union this week. If they win, they win. They're the 4A GSHL champions. You, I can tell you in our podcast here later this week, I'll pick Camus. I just the road that they have gone on and come back from being 0-4 and and let's 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 call it what it is. They're undefeated in Washington. They're four and so um, they're on a roll. So um, it, it's it's phenomenal. The fact that the way they can grind they can grind out long drives and and just kind of control tempo and, 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 and control, just control the game the way they want to control a game, whether they want to slow it down, they want to go fast. And, and some of those John Eagle teams have been very fast, but they just sort of methodically wore down Skyview. It was, it was interesting to see them just sort of flex their muscle and, and they have championship muscle championship medal. And I, I think, I think it's, it's time that we start giving a little more credit uh, to that. I want to put just into context really quickly what what Camus did on both sides of the ball. Uh, Skyview had the has the top running back in Southwest Washington in Jaden Knapp. He's had a tremendous breakout season, averaged more than 100 rushing yards a game, and they've got a thunder and lightning running back duo with with Gabe Martin, who's uh, their their linebacker and uh, their middle linebacker and. Um, they had controlled every game uh, that they had played this season from the line of scrimmage and just really effectively run the ball. That's how they controlled the, the game against Union. Union just couldn't couldn't chip away at those four or five yard rushes just every play after play after play. Um, and Skyview is really big on the line. They just that that was the thing that coming into this season when we talked in the four A uh, uh, statewide four A preview podcast in August, Todd was Skyview just has size that no other team in Southwest Washington does. It's like they've got like O'Day size almost. It's like there's they're they're just they're big and and they they could run the ball and they can kind of pass well enough to keep teams off balance. They did it against Sunnyside, they did it against Union, they've done it elsewhere and 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 Camus, defensive coordinator John Kilty was was John Eagles defensive coordinator when they won uh that uh I should say he was on staff of that Evergreen State Championship team uh, at the turn of the century. Um, he was on, you know, he he's been John Eagle's defensive coordinator for a very long time. He's a he is a defensive savant, and not only did Camus stop the run game and hold those two running backs to a, under a combined hundred yards rushing, but it just took the wind out of their sails offensively by managing the game and running the ball on their own, running the ball against a really good front seven. And John Schultz, have you heard that name before this week? The Camus' starting running back who went for 160 yards on 30 carries, had the single biggest gain of the night with a 50-yard run that set up uh, set up a go-ahead score. You know, it's like, it just, I think a lot of credit needs to go to Jack Hathaway, uh, the interim coach at Camus, and what he's done because you know, there's a lot of new kind of first-year starting quarterbacks that have been that have maybe stepped up into into uh, you know positions playing for for really good teams that are competing for for playoff spots. Um, and Taylor Yanni is one of those guys. Camus is junior quarterback, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to uh, Jack Hathaway for how he managed uh, and has kind of allowed Taylor to. Um, basically flourish as a game manager they've gotten by on big plays they've got receivers coming out of the woodworks that 
you know, you know, Mark Thorkelson has made some really nice plays. Nathan Criddle had a had a touchdown catch on Friday night. Um, I think a lot of credit needs to go to an interim coach that uh, just made picking anybody but him for the head job full time very difficult these last two weeks. Um, I think if I'm Jack, I wrote it in my story. I wrote it in my five takeaways. Head to the site, the app. I think if you're Jack Hathaway and, you know, say Camus loses out from here on out and he's sitting there interviewing for this job full time when it opens up at the end of the season, you got to highlight the win at Tumwater. You got to highlight the Skyview win. Um, heck of a win for the papermakers. I, I just wonder uh, who of these three teams um, is going to make the most noise in the postseason. Um, first off, it's who gets those two bids and there's going to be a Kansas City style playoff if they end in a three way tie this after this week but who do you think Todd who do you think uh who do you think does it you know is it is it Camus that makes the most noise or you know is it Union with Tobias Merriweather and 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 all the kind of skill guys that Union has that can that, that are game breakers on a moment's notice or or does Skyview you know <laughs> come back and and show why uh you know why it so thoroughly dominated Union in week seven and why it had the entire uh, Southwest Washington looking at it going oh cow these guys are big well I mean Union won it in 2018 Camus backed it up by winning it a year later. But if you look at the three teams, I think Skyview with it, like you mentioned, they, they're massive up front. You know, we're getting deeper into October, early November, a little more ball control. You know, weather is a factor. They seem to be built for playoff football. To answer your question, Andy, I don't know. I really don't. I, I still would like to believe that Union's the most talented of the three and that Skyview is the biggest, most physical of the three. And yet here we are. Camus is one win away from winning that league, being the number one seed, and, and capping a, a really amazing, uh, incredible uh, comeback from an 0-4 start. So I, I really don't know, Andy. That's a uh, – yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess at this point I just wouldn't bet against Camus. The other one, you can kind of flip a coin, but I guess you could probably flip a coin among the three of them too. Yeah, and again, I'm just disappointed at Skyview, Todd. It's just – especially after seeing what they did in week seven, just to see them go and, and, and really have not a ton of control in that game at any point. It, it feels like this is a team that, you know, at least against Camus, just kind of plays, plays down to its opponent. Um, and I don't want to say plays down to Camus, but you know, this Camus is in Skyview's head and, and some of the Camus players after the game too, uh, Luke Jamison, I was talking to him. I quoted him in the story. He was saying, I heard this from several Camus players where they're saying we were sitting there all week preparing for this game and Skyview's running their mouth on social media saying, you know, Hey, we're going to beat you by as much as we're going to beat the other guys. And I, I personally didn't see any of that, but Camus heard that <laughs> and just said, what are you guys doing? Like, I think Luke's reaction, he kind of just shrugged his shoulders and he's like, well, can't talk smack anymore. (laughs) You know, that's, um, and so I think it was a really depressing, uh, it was described to me as a really depressing locker room at Skyview after that one. And I want to give a lot of credit to uh, junior offensive lineman, Ty Evans of Skyview. He's uh, a Texas native. I talked to him after the game and it was the first time interviewing him, and he's he's had a nice year. I, I met his dad, John Evans, on the sideline. He's uh, a, a really nice guy as well, so shout out to the Evans family. But 
uh, Ty gave a really poised interview after after that game and a really emotional loss and just said, like, we need to be better than this. And um, and so we'll see if that wake up call, um, uh, you know, can can kind of light a fire under them. The problem here with the storm, Todd, is that it's not really in their control anymore. Uh, you know, Camus goes and beats Union on Friday and it's it's uh, you know, it's Camus's league. And, and I and I actually don't know that tiebreaker scenario if uh, I think. Skyview would actually get the the win, so Skyview is going to be either either gets the second bid if Camus wins because they beat Union, or um, we have a three way tie that goes into Kansas City. So um, a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of mucking up in the four A GSHL, but uh, that's enough for Southwest Washington talk on this week's pod. Todd, we're only sixteen minutes in, so uh, you you caught an even better game than I caught. Uh, you you caught it on Saturday. It was for the PCL title. 3A Lincoln takes on Lakes. Uh, it's it's kind of an age-old rivalry here. Lakes is a program that's been really good for a long time and and got a nice jolt of energy in getting its uh, its you know multi-year starting quarterback Justin Brennan back on an el- a fifth-year eligibility waiver that was approved by the WIA. Um, Lincoln escapes this game though. Jabari Johnson dazzles. Where have we heard that before? 36-14. What'd you see on Saturday? 3634. Yeah, no no no. That was that was oh, I'm a, sorry. 3634. Uh yeah, I mean it, it, it ended up being a, a really good football game. Andy and I, you know, talking to both coaches before the game uh, and I wrote this in the story, you know, Lakes came down with sort of a midweek COVID crisis, eight starters out, a lot of their guys up front, a lot of the depth they rotate in on that defensive line. So they were at a real disadvantage in the trenches, uh, being 60 or 70 pounds lighter than some of those really big linemen along uh, the, the offensive and defensive lines of Lincoln. So Dave Miller was, you know, he, he did what he, you know, what, what he thought was best in terms of schematically off, especially offensively, is just to make those big guys run side to side. You know, a lot of fly sweep, stay out of the middle, make those guys run, maybe wear them down. Uh, quick passes in the flat. I thought Lakes executed the game plan really, really well. They played a really smart football game uh, in in a game that they were really undermanned. Um, It could have gotten away. Um, They were very light in defense. They had to use a lot of their speed. That secondary is pretty good, though, uh, led by Michael Westbrook, who's kind of moved into kind of that rover spot. And then they got the turnover. And and went down and scored and, and missed the PAT at 28-20 to cut it to 28-27. And then Jabari Johnson, who we'll talk about a little bit later, um, makes an audible um, on, in th- on third down. It was, a, it was a hitch play to Jaden Wayne on the left sideline, and he called hippo. That's what Lincoln calls a hitch and go. And Jaden did a great job. Jaden did a great job selling it, Andy, and that 33-yard touchdown was was the play of the game. Um, really, kind of comp- capping a, a really, really solid game from Jabari all the way around. He was 180 something yard, 185 yards rushing, about that total in passing. Four rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdowns, uh, touchdown, and uh, to clinch the three A PCL in that manner was was pretty impressive. Um, for that team, um, that was pretty, that was pretty sore after losing it last spring to Spanway Lake. Um, this is a team that's used to winning league championships under Masaki and Matsumoto and, 
they take those those losses pretty pretty hard. And so it was uh, obviously it was it was kind of fun to see. Um, it was kind of fun to see them celebrate that and um, get that league championship again. Well, these are two teams that I think we're going to see uh, and we're going to talk more about here in the next few weeks. And, and this kind of dovetails into a, a conversation uh, that I want to start with um, after we kind of talk about our rankings. Um, every week on Monday, we release an updated top 10 ranking across all classifications. Uh, so each classification has a top 10 from 4A all the way down to 8-man. And then there's an all-class top 25 uh, that is updated each week. After this week, I got to say, Todd, there, there wasn't a ton of movement or noise across the board as, uh, you know, in comparison to other weeks. Um, that being said, uh, what are kind of some of the highlights? I, you know, for full transparency for the, for the listeners, uh, you kind of oversee 4A, 2A, and 2B, and, and I oversee 3A, 1A, and 1B. Uh, although both of us have input on uh, on each other's rankings. So um, not a ton of movement this week. I think in, in 3A and 1B, there was no movement at all. So my week was was easy from that standpoint. But um, what did you see? What what were kind of some of the trends statewide? Yeah, it sounds like it kind of feels like a revolving door in 4A there uh, with, with Union and Skyview both having been in our rankings. And... Union moves back in at number 10, right in time for that showdown. You know, Camus is just sort of champing at the bit to knock off another ranked team somewhere around the state and just happens to be in their backyard now. Uh, so that, that was kind of the movement in 4A. And then, you know, staying in Clark County, Hawkinson moves back into the top 10 in 2A. I think they've recovered pretty nicely since their, their loss to, to Ridgefield. Uh, Cedro Woolley dropping out after a, a close a, a, a close type loss to, to Burlington Edison, um, on yeah, Friday Jared, night, Jared Oldham, Jared Oldham, uh, Hawkinson's quarterback who, who took plenty of lumps early in the season, had a really nice, efficient performance against Hudson Bay uh, over the weekend. And, and John Charles, their running back had one of the craziest stat lines I've seen all year last week. So Hawkinson is, you're right. They're, they're finding their ways and, and, you know, sometimes it takes kind of a wake up call early in the season and, and what better time to get that. The one that bugs me, Andy, and I know it is unsettling for you too, is is Rainier Beach, man, being outside the top ten. I, they're a top ten team. I think we've seen that now, um, beating Seattle Prep in a high scoring game Saturday. Uh, you know, and again, it's tough to know when you're a ranker and you have a team like Spenway Lake that's been on three COVID pauses. Um, this last one, not their fault. Stadium um, had to forfeit. Couldn't find a game. So, I mean, they just don't have a lot of games under their belt. But what they have shown lately is a trend in the right direction, you know, uh, especially going up and beating a good Liberty team, um, getting healthier at the same time, at the right time. Um, they play, they host Lakes um, this week for the number two spot in 3A PCL. But, I mean, what Rainier Beach has done, a one-point loss to at Eastside, um, beating, you know, beating Seattle Prep, uh, beating, uh, you know, playing some really good football. Um, right now in the Metro League, and it, it's 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 uh, it, it feels like that three A those three A rankings right now. We have eleven teams for ten spots. Um, Rainier Beach could easily be not only tenth but somewhere somewhere in the top ten. That's that's up for debate. I'm I'm sure some people would think that they're closer to five, six, seven. So um, yeah. a really talented team that 
that Corey Sampson's getting a lot out of right now. Well, and 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 I I talk to Corey Sampson about this regularly cuz he's he's felt like we've been sleeping on them since the since the preseason. And and I totally get where he's coming from. Uh, you know, Beach Beach has a really really talented team, Todd, and it felt like they were just missing they were missing bodies in the spring and they were missing a quarterback and they got a quarterback in Chance Godies and he stepped in and, and had a really nice season. He's got plenty of weapons around him. He's kind of unlocked Jalen Green a little bit. Um, Namir Robinson's had a really nice season both ways. Uh, Caleb Presley is, is the best lockdown corner in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but just to be clear, so you're saying so right now at three A at at eight number eight is Lincoln, number nine is Spanaway Lake, number ten is Arlington, and Rainier Beach is is sitting there just just out outside of the top ten, uh, t- for no fault of their own. You know they they went and lost a very close game to a good Eastside Catholic team who we have sitting at number five, and they were a, a punt return for touchdown away from from not losing that game. So. Hitting, hitting the publish button on a 3A ranking that does not have Rainier Beach doesn't sit right with either of us. It certainly doesn't sit right with me knowing how talented that team is. We had Spanaway Lake in our top five. Uh, I think we had them at three or four uh, preseason based on what they did in the spring. And I just don't, I don't think it's fair to punish a team uh, for, for COVID shutdowns and things that are, you know, teams canceling on them, things that are through no fault of their own and no fault of the players and the kids. And so, uh, I'm sorry, the players and the coaches. So our rankings, you can find on the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington and the SB Live Sports app. Top 10s across every classification, 1B up to 4A, and then an all-class top 25. So let's dive into a couple storylines here, Todd, uh, before we get out of here. What did we learn in week eight outside of what we saw? I think, uh, I think there's a question to be asked up in the 4A Wesco um, to kick things off here. Kamiak goes and plays within a touchdown of a Lake Stevens team that has not played uh, any 4A Wesco game particularly close for years now. And Kamiak, uh, you know, comes in and has had a really nice season. You wrote about their head coach midway through as, as one of the great coaching jobs so far in this state. Do you think Kamiak exposed some cracks in Lake Stevens, a, a very good team that we saw hand, you know, handed to O'Day uh, in its first game of the season? Do you think we saw Kamiak expose some cracks that teams are going to jump on come playoffs? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not ready to go that far. I mean, their offense still scored 35 points. Yeah, I mean, they had a close game against Kamiak. Uh, you know, in, an, in a day and age where we're mm-hmm. seeing a lot of 50-7 to seven or 50-14 to 14 teams 14 scores, excuse me, from some of these championship type um, teams. I think mean, we're spoiled from, from Graham Kapows and we've been spoiled by Kamiakin. Uh, I'm not ready to go that far. I mean, they're still a very talented team with uh, as exciting a cast of skill position players. Uh, Trace Hanks, you know, Jaden Lamar. Tra- Trace Hanks is Trace Hanks is, is dynamite, man. You told me. He is, he's unbelievable. He is like, look out when that guy touches the ball. I mean, he's, he's like a, he's, he's a walking touchdown no matter where they are on the field. I mean, his hips are amazing and uh, just his hip swivel. And and Tom, Hey, listen, I listened to you, Tom, try when you tell me, watch out for this guy. And then you see it kind of in a, in a seven on seven setting. And and you're like, Whoa, that's another weapon. But I'm not ready to go that far. Andy saying did did Cammy, I Cammy X pretty good football team. Did I think that they would, play 
Lake Stevens that tough? No, I don't even know if Brian Thomas thought that the coach at Kamiak, but uh, nice, nice effort um, by those guys. Uh, they're going to be in the, the 4A playoffs. So it's not like it was a, you know, two, two win team right. that, that came up to Lake Stevens on Friday night and, you know, gave the Vikes all they could handle. So I'm not no. ready to go that far. So, but Todd, you, you, you know why I asked this question is because I was at the WIA offices when the seating committees seated the state playoff field in 2019. And the overwhelming sentiment I was hearing from, from sources in that room was that, you know, Lake Stevens, I think they got the, what did they get the three seed in 2019? Anyway, Lake Stevens was like sitting at undefeated and there's, you know, there, it was, it was, um, there were several teams in the mix and Lake Stevens in our rankings were, were ranked fairly high throughout the season based on their production on the field. But coaches saw fool's gold a little bit with Lake Stevens and just felt like they were kind of the odd man out of a clear, clear top tier of, of top seeded teams. This is a team that has, has owned its area for a very long time. It's don't get me wrong, but it's not won a state championship. And so, you know, I saw a bunch of coaches that year kind of kind of go, you know, not questioning Lake Stevens, but just saying, hey, we, we don't see, uh, you know, or we see them as a clear number three or four or whatever it was that year. And Lake Stevens then goes and gets upset by a young Mount Sai team as, as an 11 seed that was just more battle tested than they were in the quarterfinals. So um, I, I just I asked that because. Uh, I, I think it's worth asking is you, you see Lake Stevens and especially these teams that have just been on top for so, so long. You kind of look for it. We do it with GK every week. It's like, okay, is, is there anything we've seen this week that, that would suggest that this team that's the overwhelming favorite might have a weakness here or there. And with GK, it's been no. And, and I don't think we're, we're um, you know, I don't think there is a clear, clear cut number two in 4A. And I think that's a discussion to be had. We will certainly have it after this week, after week nine, when the seating committees meet. Um, but that's the reason I, I asked that, Todd, is Lake Stevens sits at number two in our rankings. And, and I'm not sure, you know, I, I would vote in full confidence that they're the second best team in 4A just because of how many other great teams across the state we've seen. We see Gonzaga Pratt, we've seen Kamiakin, we've seen, um, you know, there's, there's some good teams in the SPSL that have lost a couple games and um, I, I'm just not ready uh, to to kind of anoint Lake Stevens the clear number two at this point of the season. That being said, you know they do sit here undefeated. So what am I talking about? I, I, I that's a you you bring up a good point, Andy. I I don't understand the statewide perception of Tom Trice Lake Stevens program. We know that they made it to the state championship game in 2018. Yes, they got blown out by that that really good Union team. This is a team that's made, make makes the playoffs every year, dominates their area, has a lot of talent. You see it in the seven on seven. They have three or four guys every year that are that are ranked among the top prospects in the state. Uh, I, I don't know why there's this statewide perception that Lake Stevens is soft or Lake Stevens is this and Lake Stevens is that. That that 2018 discussion surprised me because we had Lake Stevens ranked number one pretty much all year. And they, I know they hit a late season low, uh, you know, and, and uh, one that it still hasn't really been explained to me um, in, you know, in that 2019 season. And, and I, but I think they're really good. Um, I think they're really talented. I think they have a really good first year starting car, quarterback in Grayson Mirren. 
I think Tom Tri is a good coach. I think they're a really good program, but you're right. This there's, there's this perception out there that, you know, let's get them at the state level and we'll see what happens. It, they don't strike fear in a whole lot of people. And I don't understand that, but well, a whole lot of people statewide, And that's to say that they've been on top their league win streak. I don't know what number it's at, but it's four plus years at this point. They haven't lost a league game, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's approaching 50 games if it's not already there. So, I mean, I don't, other than winning a state championship and you look at the teams behind them, Andy, you mentioned Kamiakin. They've won a state championship at the three, a level. You look at Gonzaga prep. They've won a state championship at the four, a level. You look at Bothell, they've won a state championship at the 4A level. They were in the state championship game in 2019, all very proven championship programs. Um, you know, Eastlake has, has been knocking on the door, a really good Eastlake team. But this particular program seems to be kind of picked on uh, at the state level. Um, and I don't understand why. Uh, am I saying that they're clearly the number two team in 4A? We have them ranked 2A. I like their skill position, guys. But boy, I look at what's going on in Eastern Washington right now and the way Kamiakins handle its business in the Mid-Columbia Conference, dominant. And you could say the same thing about, about uh, Ryan McKenna, Dave McKenna, and Gonzaga Prep, dominant in the GSL. And they have a chance one more time this week to prove that. Well, winning as a coach, Todd, winning a state championship uh, goes a, a really, really long way. Uh, you know, I, I remember my senior year of college covering uh, Gonzaga's basketball team throughout their run. The first run to the Final Four, first run to the national championship game. They lost to UNC. I don't want to talk about Kennedy, uh, Kennedy Meeks' foot being inbounds or out of bounds, but all I know is that that entire week, the storyline, that entire, that entire NCAA tournament run, Todd, the storyline was, is Gonzaga going to get the monkey off its back and make its first Final Four. Every every media availability, Mark Few and the, and the players were peppered with questions about that. And it just got to the point where they had these canned answers. It's like you, you have to have an answer ready because it's like this, this, is, this team, nobody's saying they're not good enough. They just hadn't got there yet. You know, it's like it, it just gives people a reason. It gives people a, an out. If they don't if they don't want to believe in you, it gives them an out. And so you know, we're not sitting here saying we don't believe in Lake Stevens, but, you know, there's there's a certain monkey on their back at the state level. And, you know, it's just only a matter of time based on how well how well they played for for years now. It's only a matter of time before they, they uh, break through. So um, could be this year. Who knows? It could be this year. And you and I could be sitting here four weeks from now going jokes on us. <laughs> And jokes on every coach across the state who, who uh, you know, didn't believe in this team. So I don't think I don't know if the jokes on us, Andy. I think we've always spoke very highly of Lake Stevens. Uh, I think the world of Tom Try in that program. I think the world of their talent. I think the world of what they've accomplished. Um, but there is a, other people and coaches in particular uh, have I've heard this throughout the years about Lake Stevens. So Lake Stevens has a golden opportunity to make make some coaches and some people across the state uh, eat some crow if they get to the state championship game this year. And they're certainly capable of doing that. There was a team in 2019 that played Lake Stevens that did not make a playoff run, lost to Lake Stevens, lost in a close game. And uh, the coach of that team that had been beaten by Lake Stevens said very matter-of-factly to me, that team ain't ain't making it past the second round. (laughs) They're just not. Called a shot. And he was right. So you're right. You're right. 
I, I think we belabored this point, though. Um, the 3A uh, title picture, Todd, is right now looking like the most wide-open classification. We have Bellevue at a clear number one. Marysville Pilchuck has been brilliant at times, but got embarrassed by Arlington, took a lopsided loss last week. Um, a, a good Arlington team. I don't want to say embarrassed. Um, but then you have teams like like Mount Spokane, who who could you know who, who could go out and who knows what they'll do against Gonzaga Prep this week. You have a team like like Kennewick, that's a a genuine legitimate state title contender from the MCC at the three A level, and you have a team like Lincoln, Todd, that you saw, and I think on any given night Lincoln can beat any team in the state. I it, genuinely, it does not. There isn't that separation at the three A level, and uh, you know this this year we're seeing it. Um, you know, I think Bellevue, Bellevue has a clear control over its league in the 3A Kinko, and we just won't see them tested again. They were so impressive in the non-league. Uh, that's why I think I'm comfortable with them at, at a number one and what Michael Knipe has done and just how efficient they are. They're a machine, Todd. Um, beyond that, though, it, it's it's anyone's guess. I mean, at 3A, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Do you think this is you agree this is the most wide open classification and is 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 there any team in, in our top 10 that you're particularly intrigued by that that people might not be thinking is is a sneaky title contender i i do think bellevue's the clear number one i think their talent's really coming through uh you know hogan hansen has been i mean they're even throwing the ball and hogan hansen's had a couple really marvelous uh, touchdown catches here the past couple weeks. I learned this. I learned this by the way. Uh, Lucas Rosori is the quarterback of, of Bellevue. His dad's on staff, Joe. And Bellevue coaches were sending me stats from the weekend, and I just let it slip, like it just instinctually. I said uh, somebody sent me uh, uh, Hogan Hansen's final line, and I just said, "Hey, that's a great line by Hudson. Hudson being Hudson Hansen, Hogan's older brother, who was a standout basketball player at Bellevue, who just graduated." Uh, in 2021. So very talented family, a lot of athletic genes in the Hanson family. And, and Hogan as a sophomore is is a player to to remember and, and a player to, you know, write this name down, log this name back in, in, in your cranium, because two years from now, Hogan Hanson is going to be a name that's that, that might be might be known in a lot more households uh, than it is today. Talking about the 3A field, though, Andy, I, I, I kind of look at some of these teams there are a lot of dangerous teams. You mentioned Lincoln. They could beat anybody on any given night, but can they win four big games in a row? I'm not so sure, but you look at Yelm physical um, has, has been there. Kennewick physical has been there. Uh, what's going on in the Metro league talented, a lot like Lincoln, very talented. The, the team that I'm still looking at and wondering, I just don't know how to gauge is it, surprisingly. It's O'Day. Uh, you know, Jason Brown is is on this run of 200 yard rushing games. They're 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 they you know it just doesn't seem like they have a, a a huge margin for error with this team, given how big they are, how dynamic they are in the run game, um, how disciplined they are, how established they are. It's just I, I have a tough time figuring out where O'Day is in all of this, and I say that watch him get hot in the postseason. Monty Kohler certainly knows how to win games in, in the state tournament and, you know, watch them get on a run and, and, and be O'Day um, like we're all used to. But, um, but you know, Eastside Catholic, Rainier Beach, we talked about them. I just, there's a lot of dangerous teams. There's a lot of teams I think that can get hot here starting this week or continuing their hot streak and, 
and 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 go all the way to the to the championship game and possibly win it. But I like Bellevue right now. I think right now they just they're relaxed. Um, they they keep growing every week. Um, the question mark with that team is 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 the system they run, the wing T, and what happens if you get behind. But they've shown they can throw the ball too. I like what Michael Knight's done there. Um, but yeah, it's a fun fun classification. With uh, it's going to be interesting. We're going to pick games in the state playoff in that first round, Andy, and we're going to be dead wrong. Oh, we're going to be so wrong. <laughs> just just because just because that's the nature of three A. My 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 phone on a, on a Friday night is just going to be absolutely lit up uh, by folks that. <laughs> <laughs> That's been one of the fun parts of this season is we get a lot of feedback on, uh, particularly when we pick against teams, uh, Camus being one of them on the sidelines. I got a nice little Charlie horse uh, on the on the arm from Camus's athletic director in the final seconds of that game because we picked against them. But but you're right, Todd. Lincoln sits there at number eight, and I think they they have the talent to win a state championship. I think Mount Spokane can win a state championship. I think O'Day, Eastside Catholic, Marysville Pilchuck, Kennewick, Yelm, Bellevue, any of these teams, I, I would not be surprised if they got hot and made a run. But I think I think why we're so squirrely is because for so long, at least since you and I have been covering this, it's like th- there's just always been a Metro team that's been a lock. And and there's just not many teams looking like state finalists right now in the Metro League. Uh, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to an Eastside Catholic team that – has done a really nice job this year, um, and and really kind of defensively is is you know maybe the best defensive team in the state um, has found ways to make it work on offense. Uh, a, a first year starting quarterback who's looked really poised, at, uh, you know, in big moments. But and I feel the same way about O'Day. You know, I I covered him in week one, and they was just I was just sitting there going, you know, hey, it's week one, but. This team looks like a state. This team looks like our clear number one. Uh, so we'll see. We want to hear from you, though. Please weigh in. Uh, I'm at Andy Bueller on Twitter. He's at Many Hats Millis. Anyone who who has any thoughts about the three A title race, we will read your tweets, emails, whatever it may be on on next week's podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to give a quick shout out to a couple of big big stat lines. I'll start with one. Individual performances each week. Um, I put together a top performers, top stars of the week of the high school football season. And a lot of you uh, who may be listening to this uh, do a really good job of making me aware of posts that, or of performances that we miss. Um, one of those performances just stood out above the rest and it, it took place at the eight man level. And that was Nolan Swafford at Winlock. He ran the ball 17 times for, wait for it. 369 yards and 10 touchdowns in a blowout win over Chief Leshi. Nolan Swafford um, tied the state eight-man record for most all-purpose touchdowns in a game. He's in a tie for at least sixth place for most points scored in a game. That depends on how many times he actually converted the two-point conversion. You know, not, not many PATs kicked in the eight-man football game. And so I I got a nice email from Dave Maley, who keeps stats at the 1B level, um, that just kind of noted how historic his performance was. So Nolan Swafford at Winlock, great performance in Week 8. That's my shout-out. Todd, do you have one that that stands above the rest? If not, I I can just just read off our list. No, I do. And and it's a a weapon that I think sort of sometimes gets lost. We we talked about him a a number of times in in two sports, but – what Peyton Graham does and, and the kind of versatility he gives the Kamiak and Braves 
as whatever Scott Biglin wants to utilize him as. He can play quarterback. He can play receiver. He plays on defense. I mean, did you see the ways uh, he scored touchdowns over the weekend uh, against Hanford? He caught a touchdown. He threw a touchdown. He rushed for a touchdown. He had a special teams touchdown. He had an interception. And, Bo, by the way, he's the kicker. Like seven for seven for seven on PATs, Todd. Don't don't you forget. I mean, can you imagine that kind of weapon on the football field? You can do a lot of really cool things about. It. I think it's a, I think it's a big reason why Kamaiakin is so dangerous. We talk about all their, you know, all their kind of settled football players, and you have this kind of slash baseball. I mean, he's going to be a guns. He's a Gonzaga baseball commit, but he he threw two. He threw two perfect games in the spring, Todd. <laughs> He's he's incredible. Yeah, he has been. And I covered his dad, Pat Graham, when he was at the sales. He was a really, really good quarterback, set some records at the time in the in the mid-90s. And um, his son is is a really fantastic all-around athlete, football player, and gives Scott Biglin uh, a little bit of everything. It's a it's a nice um, luxury to have. It is, and and you're right. He he might he's probably the most versatile player in the state this season just based on impact alone. Um, I talked to him after they beat Chiawana in week two. And I talked to his dad uh, before that game too. And it's like, it's, there's just very few things. It, it, I remember his dad telling me, so you, you were saying his dad was a great quarterback into sales and he, he went on and played in college. I don't remember where he played, but when I talked to him, he was either getting his jersey retired or getting honored at his, at the college that he played at. Um, and I just asked him, I was asking him about Peyton and he volunteered this information. He said, Peyton's a better, a better quarterback than I ever was. He's a better football player than I ever was. And his mom was right next to him and just, and just goes, Oh, come on. Oh, come on, Pat. Like just gave, gave him one of those. And, and it's really hard to watch the way that guy impacts any game he plays in. I, I'm just excited to see him on a playoff stage. And don't, Hey, don't let Pat, Pat Graham, uh, sandbag you, man. He was pretty, pretty dynamic passer under Kim Cox at, on those really good to sales teams. So don't don't let him fool you. Well, I, I hope he's a listener as well. Um, that wraps up what we learned in week eight. We want to hear from you. If there's anything that you want us to talk about that you feel like we missed or or anything you want to weigh in on uh, on what we said, Todd and I are open books, man. Again, I'm Andy at scorebooklive.com via email. He's Todd at scorebooklive.com. Uh, you can also go to uh, the uh, mayor's office in uh, Ocean Shores, Washington, and just submit a public records request and go through his, his PIO and contact information there. But uh, scorebooklive.com slash Washington is your home for high school sports news and information. The SB Live Sports app as well is where you can find all our work. We will be back on Thursday to predict the top games in week nine. For SB Live Sports and SB Live Washington, I've been Andy Bueller. He's Todd Millis. We'll catch you later this week. podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. 
You can find our website at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. Thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week. take a moment to tell you about something really exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news here in Washington and across the country. With the SB Live Sports app, it's now even easier to follow your favorite team and tailor your experience to your interests. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers on the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Todd Millis, myself, Andy Bueller as well as SB Live's preeminent basketball mind and recruiting expert, Dan Dickow. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today.